Welcome to episode number 29 of the Peaceful Power Podcast. And today I'm going to interview Tanuja Debeer and we break down what it takes to have a healthy gut. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So today I am here with Tanuja and we are going to talk gut health. So I'm super excited to hit this topic as this is a new topic for me and the podcast. So Tanuja, can you introduce yourself and tell us how you got into nutrition and started your own business? Sure. Thank you for having me on the show. And I am a registered holistic nutritionist and I am a digestion whiz. So I help people uh, to beat the bloat or heartburn and indigestion, get rid of their diarrhea and constipation. Um, and um, just basically focus on digestion so that they have more energy, they don't have any cravings, and you're basically working to transform your health from the inside out. Um, in terms of how I started, um, that was a few years ago because I came from a corporate um, world in a high stress um, from a high stress job and it was a very fast paced uh, work environment and um, over the years I was feeling sicker in terms of having chronic pain um, I was very tired um, I used to have a lot of sugar cravings I was putting on weight and uh, IBS diarrhea type was uh, kind of plaguing me at the time as well and going to the doctors wasn't helping much because, um, you know, my, my reports were all normal. I did a lot of blood tests and everything seemed to be normal. And uh, I was being almost hinted that um, it is probably all in your head. That was very upsetting and it, it was frustrating at the same time because, you know, I wasn't able to function properly. I wasn't able to enjoy, um, you know, doing the things I wanted to or spend time with my family after work. So it wasn't the answer that I was ready to accept. So, you know, I was searching for answers and um, looked up nutrition and a few things regarding that getting confusing with, with all the um, information that's out there on Google and you don't know what to trust and what, what to, um, you know, believe. So I, I decided to study nutrition um, in order to kind of delve dig a bit deeper and uh, start healing myself. So as I was going through the course and experimenting on myself, making myself the guinea pig, um, I, I did feel, you know, much better. And I started to noticeably uh, see an increase in my energy. So by the time I finished my course, I thought I knew too much to go back. Um, and I decided to do this full time because I, I know there are other people out there who are, you know, who are living this fast-paced life and who are stressed and who are probably feeling or having a lot of these symptoms that I was having. So I just wanted to help out and, you know, help them um, feel better. So here I am today. Yes, I love that. And can you um, kind of briefly talk about the few things that you did to kind of heal yourself? Um, sure. One of the things uh, that was really bothering me at the time was diarrhea. Um, and, you know, uh, one of my friends happened to mention that, uh, have you have you ever looked at uh, removing dairy from your diet? And um, that I never made the correlation. Um, and I was, that, that's an interesting thought. And that's kind of what, you know, uh, made me look into nutrition a little bit more. So, 
I, I eliminated dairy and it, it was helping me quite a bit. It, you know, my, my bouts of diarrhea had reduced quite a bit. So that was one of the things. And um, just sort of, you know, getting more into um, foods that cause inflammation. What are the alkalizing food? What are acidic foods? Because again, pain and inflammation in the body uh, comes from a lot of these inflammatory foods such as um, dairy or wheat or highly processed foods that we are so used to eating in our daily lives. So those were some of the changes I started to make initially. And then, you know, of course, as I was studying through and I figured out how to strengthen my gut, now I'm not, um, you know, that sensitive to to lactose. I can actually have dairy without much of an issue. So a lot of little tweaks and things. And again, depending on what your symptoms are, there are foods that will help heal you and, um, you know, propel your wellness um, faster than so eliminating certain foods and including certain foods helps. Yes, that is awesome. So Breaking into like, if people aren't familiar, what should a healthy gut kind of feel like or look like? And then what does it mean if your health, if your gut health is not intact? Like, how would you know you have a problem? So the gut is one of the most important, um, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't call it an organ because when you talk about the gut, we're really talk about, uh, talking about the whole digestive system. It's one of the most crucial systems in the body to focus uh, on. And, you know, 70% of our immunity lies in the gut. So if you just think of that number um, and then start associating your symptoms, a lot of them will have its root in a weak gut. So a lot of people just think about, you know, having indigestion or heartburn or, you know, they suffer from gas and bloating and they think that is a, you know, a weak gut or sometimes they have diarrhea or constipation. IBS, like I used to have, or Crohn's disease or IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease. So these are definitely signs that something's wrong with the gut and that needs to be fixed. But um, not everybody will think of other uh, symptoms like food sensitivities. Mm. So just like I had lactose uh, sensitivity, people are sensitive to gluten or soy or eggs. Um, that also has to do with the fact that you're gut is leaky and it cannot process the foods as it should. The food should not be foreign to our gut. It, it's something it should be expecting. But when that doesn't happen, there's obviously an issue with the gut. Similarly, with autoimmune conditions, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, um, a lot of times when you remove dairy and gluten from your diet, you will start feeling um, way better and your inflammation will go down uh, in terms of autoimmune conditions. Conditions like asthma, autism, or ADHD, which have behavioral issues related to the foods that we eat, all go back to the gut. And the other thing is lack of energy. I, I hear so many people complaining about not having enough energy and being exhausted all the time. So when people say, you know, you are what you eat, I would like to go further and say you are what you digest mm. because you could be eating the healthiest foods on the planet and still not have enough energy uh, if you're not digesting them properly. So the aches and pains or the inflammation will go back to that. Um, sleep issues or insomnia, a lot of us uh, don't get enough sleep. And that is also related to a weak gut because serotonin, which is a hormone that produces melatonin, which helps us sleep. We're all aware of melatonin. It's produced in the gut with the help of serotonin. And 90% of serotonin is made in the gut. So if you're 
gut is really weak, you probably have sleep issues as well. And not everybody will correlate sleep issues with having a weak digestive system. No, I would have never thought of that. So looking at, so I'm not sure where I heard this. I think in one of my um, um, pregnancy books, but is it true that you get your gut health from your mother, um, you know, in the womb? Is that actually, do you know if that's a true statement? It's, it's true in the sense of, um, you know, obviously what she's eating and, um, you know, th- that's nourishing the baby, of course. Um, the bigger part of it is having replenishing or, or having to start with, not replenishing, but to start with the gut bacteria. So when uh, a baby is born um, vaginally, um, we're not talking of C-section here, the mother has... Um, the, the bacteria there and that mm. because you know while the child is in the womb it's a pretty sterile environment mm-hmm. so there, there is no chances of any bacteria getting into um into that uh, amniotic sac and the fluid and therefore to the baby so when the um, baby is born through the birth canal that is the time it picks up the gut bacteria or the bacteria that is present in the mother and that's its first exposure so that is definitely a, a foundation of having um, uh, the bacteria introduced and probiotics, as we know, are very important for gut health. Uh, and therefore, babies who are born via C-section, they do not get that first exposure. So they do tend to have more gut issues than babies who are born um, through the birth canal. Oh, huh, that's interesting. I like mm-hmm. that. Is good information to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I work with a lot of pregnant clients, so that's where I've I'd read that, and I was like, I'm think that's true but yes to hear that that is um good information to know yes i mean that's the foundation and then afterwards you know uh if the baby is say you know if there were birth complications and if the baby was uh in the icu on medication then that will affect the uh, the gut bacteria further mm-hmm. um as to it'll deteriorate because again it's a very sterile environment so it really depends after birth on, also on the exposures and um other things but yes the foundation probably starts there very cool. Well, so like changing into gears into a more adulthood now, but let's go into bloating. So I know this is something that I hear a lot of people kind of complain about. Um, I actually, I don't, um, I don't think I bloat very easily or it's just something that doesn't usually happen to me, but I know a lot of people complain about this. Um, so kind of what causes it and how can people avoid it? Ooh, bloating. I, I, I must say that you must have good gut health if you're not bloated because I probably hear 98% of the people complain about bloating all the time. Yes, I hear that too. And I'm like, I don't, I do, just, I don't battle that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's good for you then, for sure. Um, bloating is, see, the main reason behind bloating is incomplete breakdown of the foods that you're eating. And so mm. that's causing putrefaction within the gut. It's causing gas. Now, there are different reasons behind bloating. So, uh, you know, um, we and sometimes people confuse indigestion with bloating as well. Mm. Indigestion does cause bloating, but it's not the same as being, you know, bloated. Uh, IBS will cause um, bloating as well. Sometimes when we eat raw foods, we tend to bloat more Mm. because if we don't have enough stomach acid or digestive juices to break down those foods, again, the remnants of the food are lying there, uh, just being worked on by the bacteria, causing the gas, which causes the bloating. Um, So 
the reasons behind bloating could vary from the foods that you're eating. Even processed foods call, cause a lot of bloating because, again, it's just so highly processed that the body doesn't naturally recognize these foods. Um, then if you're not eating foods that are... Um, easy to digest so a lot of meat for example mm. and it all really ties back to not having stomach acid or enough uh, digestive juices to break down what you're eating and the more of these foods that we eat um, um, like the processed foods or high meat high fat content um, the lesser our body produces those uh, stomach acid because it can't keep up with the production to match the the food coming through the body that is um Good to know then. So um, I know that you keep talking about kind of IBS and I want to, you know, if people aren't familiar what IBS is and then any tips that you have for people kind of dealing with IBS. Right. So IBS, uh, and because I've suffered from it for so many years, it's, it's um, a topic really close to my heart. And most of my clients do come to me with IBS issues. Um, so irritable bowel syndrome is basically um, almost like a malfunction in the digestive tract where you're either eliminating too fast if you have uh, IBS diarrhea type or if you have constipation time then you're not eliminating fast enough and some people uh, you know go back and forth between the two so there are really you know different types of IBS um, the roots of IBS typically lie in the fact that one we don't have enough digestive juices to break down the food it also goes down um, to eating foods that you might be actually sensitive to. So the more you do that, the less, um, the, the more your gut is overburdened and the less chances of you feeling better. So the, the, the program that I have designed to work on people with IBS or typically even with a weak gut, not necessarily having IBS, but if you have any of these other digestive symptoms, um, I have a five-step process uh, in my program called the Signature Digestion Intensive. Uh, what we do is the first step is remove. So you remove the foods that you're sensitive to or allergic to or that might be causing you um, an issue. The second stage is to replace those problematic foods with healing foods, with gut-friendly foods, let's put it that way. The third step is to re-inoculate your gut with gut-friendly bacteria because that is, plays a big part in our overall gut health and overall health as well. Then the fourth step is repair. You start repairing the gut. And the last step is to reintroduce the foods that you might have been sensitive mm -hmm. to to see if the gut has healed itself enough so that you should be able to, on a long-term basis, uh, enjoy the foods um, that you had initially cut out. It should not be that you just eliminate, and a lot of people will do that. They will just eliminate foods that they're sensitive to, but if you never actually heal the gut, then, you know, you've just done the first step, which is remove. So imagine, I like to give the, uh, the um, you know, the, uh, the example of, say, a house on fire. You first want to remove the source of fire. So your gut is on fire almost uh, if you have IBS or any of these issues. So you want to remove those foods. The second thing is then you want to start clearing out the debris and, you know, um, clearing out the space. And then you start rebuilding it, um, you know, replacing it with um, whatever the possessions of the house were. And... Um, it's, so it's almost like comparable in that sense. If I'm, you know, um, 
if that makes sense to you. Not but totally, it's it a very logical step-by-step process um, that, that sort of helps you strengthen the gut. Yes. And I think I've, I've heard a lot with never kind of reintroducing the foods back in. So I like that, that you actually have to, you know, do the repair work and then try to reintroduce to make sure your gut health um, is to where it should be. Because I think there are definitely a lot of programs where you remove, but you never actually put back in. So but, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the, the common perception is that, oh, if I'm sensitive to this, let's just remove it, mm-hmm. which is true in case of allergies. So if you are, say, gluten um, sensitive or you're celiac, rather, um, most likely you will never be able to eat gluten again because it's an allergy. But if it's a sensitivity, you should be able to reintroduce those foods back. Like in my case, I'm now able to tolerate dairy um, as much as, as long as I don't overdo it. Mm. So how do you know if you get a food sensitivity? Is there a test that you recommend or how do you know if you're sensitive to certain foods? Well, there are definitely tests that you do and they can be sometimes very expensive because, um, you know, uh, the, the, the conventional medical system will not typically test food sensitivities. They'll go for allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just simply start to keep a food journal. Mm-hmm. And your body really tells you. And when you start tracking what you're eating, and this is not just a food journal for lunch and dinner or breakfast, but you note down everything that you eat during the day. And that way, you know, you and so when I ask my clients to keep a food journal, I'm asking them to eat and uh, note down everything that they've eaten along with the symptoms that they the experience mm-hmm. after eating a particular food. And sometimes it so happens, especially with food sensitivities, is that you eat something now, but the reaction doesn't happen maybe 24 hours or even sometimes 48 hours later. So once you start keeping that detailed food journal, you start tracking your energy levels, you start tracking your mood, and uh, of course, the symptoms that you might be experiencing, that probably is a way cheaper way to just start with and figure out what might you might, what you might be sensitive to. Oh, that's, yeah, that's definitely a good idea and something that everyone can do at home. So I like that. Yeah. Um, So then we're going to talk about something that people don't always like to talk about. We're going to break down what foods cause gas. So I know that there's, you know, some people may have um, more gas than others. So what is kind of considered normal on that front? Like, is that a normal thing that should be happening daily for people? Or is there an unnormal amount of gas to pass every day? I think everybody's, the amount of gas they pass is different from person to person, depending on the foods they eat, their lifestyle, and and so on, and the gut bacteria that they have, and so on. So I think there is no one standard answer, and everybody passes gas. That's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's not, I would question that. (laughs) (laughs) So, But yes, you're right. Some people have way more, you know, they're, they're really troubled by the amount of gas, and it might be causing them discomfort. And that is, you know, an indication that probably that's too much for you and you should start looking at what's causing all that gas. So there are typically uh, uh, some foods that will cause gas in a lot of people and some of them are raw foods. Mm. So, uh, you know, um, it it is uh, a lot of fiber in there and a lot of people, if you have low stomach acids or digestive juices, you might not be able to digest raw foods and therefore you might pass gas um, more than others. Um, Processed foods, eating very rich um, or sugar heavy foods or fat heavy foods, that might also cause a lot of gas. Sometimes eating uh, cruciferous vegetables, Mm. so the, the family of the 
cabbage or the broccoli, um, that, that, you know, typically people will experience more gas when they're eating that or say beans and legumes. Yeah. Uh, that will cause more gas. Um, fermented foods, if you're having a lot of cheese, also people will, you know, some people do experience more gas when they eat cheese. Um, for some people, it comes with coffee mm. or cream. So th- those are really some of the common foods. But then if you're sensitive to a certain food, then, you know, eating that might cause you more gas than uh, eating other foods. And, you know, it's interesting, but we never think of it. Swallowing air when you're, say, eating gum, chewing gum, or when you're drinking from a straw or having a lot of these aerated drinks like the, the sodas or the pop, um, that could cause a lot of gas, too. Hmm. Well, I've noticed that, too, with my son when he was a baby like that. Definitely. They always talk about sucking down extra air. So I can see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, we drink a lot of soda. I mean, especially in North America, people are so used to that mm-hmm. and they're having, sipping through the, the, so when you're having something which already has a lot of gas or air in it, and then you're sipping from the straw. So double trouble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When we think of that. So is it, so I know in our uh, society, like we always say men pass gas more than women. Is this true or is this just like a stereotype? <laughs> No, I think, like I said, you know, everybody passes gas. It's pretty normal uh, and there's nothing to be embarrassed about it. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to do it in public. But uh, I think when you should be concerned about is if you're uh, passing too much gas, it's causing you discomfort and if it's smelly. Mm. So that means um, your food, like there is something going on with your gut, which is not clearing all that uh, food that you're eating. So that's lying there and, you know, it's um, it's causing the smelly gas. Oh, never knew that before. Mm-hmm. Well, then now let's kind of talk about the opposite, kind of constipation. So what kind of plagues people um, with constipation? What are some things that, um, you know, how that happens and how people can avoid it from happening? Constipation is one of the other common things that you typically see. Um, And, you know, you'd be surprised. There are some people who would probably go only once in two weeks or um, sometimes once a week. So those numbers are pretty alarming to me. And it's funny because some people think that that's normal. Yeah. Yep. That was totally me in high school. I went to the doctor and I remember she asked me how many times that I went number two. And I was like... Um, I think maybe once a week and she's like, no, really? And I'm like, yes, is that not normal? You know, I just thought it was normal. So, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people do because that's what they're used to. So they just assume that that's the normal. But the normal is to actually go every day. Mm-hmm. And some people can go up to two times a day, which is fine too. Um, You know, beyond three, four times, then you're again concerned about your gut health. But typically, if you're not going once or twice a day, then you are definitely constipated. And the factors that cause constipation is, again, the foods that you're eating. So if you're eating a lot of processed foods and uh, sugar-rich foods, you will be constipated um, because they don't have much fiber in them. So what regularizes you is basically enough hydration Mm-hmm. and fiber. Love it. So when you eat foods which are, um, you know, lacking fiber, or if you're not drinking enough water, that will cause constipation. Exercise also helps with your bowel movements because our intestines, you know, it's a, it's a long tube in there through which food passes before being eliminated. But there is um, um, a process called peristalsis where the walls of your intestine, so imagine like this 
long tube, but it gets pressed at certain points, moving the food forward so that it's eventually eliminated out. So with exercising, peristalsis um, actually increases or it helps with that movement of the food. If you aren't exercising enough and you're very sedentary, then that movement is sluggish. So uh, definitely besides fiber and water, Exercise is important, and uh, a lot of people um, are stressed. Mm. So think about uh, it, you know, on, on just um, when you're stressed, you tighten up. Mm. The body's response is to just, you know, tighten up, and you kind of trying to fight the stress, whether you recognize that you're stressed or not, but it's just the normal reaction. And that's happening to your gut as well. So stress will also cause constipation in a lot of people. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that totally makes sense. Um, What about coffee and constipation? I know a lot of people are like, I can only go after my morning coffee. Good thing or not a good thing? Well, coffee is definitely a laxative, so it'll help eliminate. So, And that's why people want to have their coffee in the morning. Mm. Uh, I think it's also got to do with the fact that you... You know, even though coffee is dehydrating at the same time, you are drinking something. So there's a little bit of liquid going in. Um, but coffee by itself is a laxative. And I, I mean, as a nutritionist, I would uh, advise against the excessive use of coffee. If you're having one a day, two a day, that's fine. But if you're going excessively into like if you are a heavy coffee drinker, that might not be the right idea because... Uh, Coffee tends to exhaust your adrenals, and we are typically so stressed that our adrenals are being taxed all the time. So having a lot of coffee on top of that um, is really the worst thing that you could do for your adrenals. Mm. Yes, totally. Adrenal fatigue is something that definitely I've noticed um, is plaguing people left and right um, just because of the world we live in. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So then, you know, talking about having good, um, you know, gut health, a lot of times probiotics come up. So um, what are your thoughts on probiotics? Are you for it? And if so, what are some good brands? Because I know there's a lot of brands that don't have all of the good stuff that they say might be in these pills that people are taking. Um, the probiotics are definitely, I'm, I'm pro-probiotics. Um, they do play a very important role in our gut health. Um, if you're taking antibiotics, especially, mm-hmm. you need to be on probiotics at the same time because antibiotics are killing the bacteria and Probiotics are really the the gut bacteria is what we're talking about. So if you're taking antibiotics, um, it doesn't discriminate between the good and the bad. It's just killing all bacteria. So if you're um, on any dose or, um, you know, uh, or sort of a... uh, antibiotic routine, then you should definitely be taking probiotics. Um, Besides that, there are also fermented foods, which are resources of probiotics. So things like sauerkraut or uh, yogurt, um, kimchi, kombucha, kefir. um, These are good sources of natural uh, sources of probiotics as well. In terms of the, the brands, you're right. There are a lot of different brands and Honestly, in terms of probiotics, you want to go for something that's refrigerated. Okay. Uh, And that's because these are live bacteria. So you want to be taking the live bacteria. So the ones that are refrigerated are done so for that reason, so that they can keep the bacteria alive. And in terms of, um, you know, the different brands, I wouldn't suggest go and buy uh, from, say, Walmart or a superstore. Uh, you know, those are not the best quality. The, 
you need to buy something that's a pharmaceutical grade. Mm-hmm. So in terms of probiotics, I typically don't give out brands as such because, you know, people start thinking I'm associated mm-hmm. with these brands. Yep. Um, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm not. Um, and yet, uh, because you asked, Natron is a very good um, probiotic brand it's very expensive but it's it's one of the best out there and any of the other pharmaceutical grades so um you know uh genestra or uh, um, i have to think of these names now uh, but there are a lot of uh, other companies that are pharmaceutical grades and you typically will find them only in a health food store okay uh, you shouldn't be going to a drugstore and buying them. Go to a health food store. In fact, uh, I, through my website, also have a link to an online pharmaceutical um, uh, supplement store. Okay. And just uh, for registering, you get a 10% discount. So these are higher quality pharmaceutical grades. So the purity and the strains that they mention, you can be pretty much guaranteed that they are present and they're more effective. Perfect. Yeah, and they might be a little more expensive, but worth it. They're, they're definitely worth it because you could be buying the cheaper ones for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. And, you know, if it's not, um, you know, making a difference, then you might as well just buy something a little bit more expensive, but you you guarantee the results with that. Yes. Um, all right. So then let's break down um, kind of switching from our gut health to really talking about sugar. So this is running rampant. Um, I just saw an article yesterday talking about how the sugar industry um, switched gears to the fat industry um, back in the 80s to kind of hide what was going on. So sugar is definitely something that's always, um, you know, on topic and plagues us in our world. So how can we ditch that habit? Because it's so addictive for so many people. You're very right. Sugar is, you know, so addictive because, I mean, fundamentally, it it does... Um, cause an effect similar to cocaine Mm. on the body, uh, on the brain. And that's why we like um, to eat sugar because it gives us that high or feel good um, feeling. So sugar is definitely a cause of concern. And in order to ditch the habit, you need to know what is causing you to crave sugar. Mm. So one of the causes is definitely eating a lot of sugar in itself. So the more you eat, the more you want it. Because when you eat sugar, it it throws your gut bacteria balance out uh, and there is a candida overgrowth in a lot of people. So candida is a yeast which feeds on sugar, basically. So the more you eat, you're literally feeding the candida, making it stronger, and in turn, it's asking you to feed it more, and therefore you're eating more. So it's almost like a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, another cause of sugar cravings is what we call dysglycemia, or blood sugar imbalance, to put in simple terms. Um, and the, again, the, the kind of foods we eat sometimes will cause blood sugar spikes uh, and then crashes. Mm. So... Addressing dysglycemia helps. Stress and lack of sleep also cause sugar cravings because stress, again, is an adrenal response. It's a fight or flight thing. So in order to either run away from the situation or to fight it, you need energy. And that comes from sugar. So if you're stressed, that's why we want to eat sugar, right, to give you that quick boost of energy. So assessing the root cause is the first thing. And then also finding out whether you're eating for comfort. Sometimes sugar is... Um, you know, I shouldn't say sometimes, I think most of the time sugar has got to do with emotional roots. Mm-hmm. We eat for comfort. We are trying to um, replace 
maybe love or satisfaction in some other front by eating these sugary foods. So really getting to the root cause is the first uh, step to figuring out how we can ditch the habit. But, um, you know, and that obviously requires a little bit more uh, in-depth looking into. But basically eating a very balanced meal, which has enough fat, and yes, people, fat is okay. <laughs> you don't need to get, uh, you know, you don't need to be scared of fat. Having enough fat and protein and having enough water hydration mm-hmm. is really important to start ditching sugar. I love that. Yeah, because that's something that um, actually one of the other gals that I was talking to for this month's nutrition series, she said the same thing, water, because a lot of us don't turn to water and we might actually be thirsty and not really craving that sugar. Exactly. And a lot of times we actually don't even realize that we are dehydrated. So if you are thirsty and you're drinking water, you're already dehydrated. Oh, yes. Another good, good little tidbit. Yeah. So so a lot of times, like, you know, this person might have mentioned, if you are feeling hungry, go have yourself, you know, drink a, a large glass of water and most likely you're thirsty, not hungry. Love that. So what kind of foods that do we consume that might have hidden sugars that we might not have even been aware of that we've been eating? If you're eating anything out of a package, <laughs> almost have a guarantee that um, it will have some sort of sugar. So, you know, even the bread, like we, oh, yeah. you know, uh, if what you might have for as a toast in the morning, the bread has sugar, mayonnaise has sugar. Wow, and Yeah. Yeah, I was reading the other day um, sriracha sauce. Uh, I, I like hot sauces and, you know, um, I, I, I don't remember where I was, but um, I looked at the ingredients and sriracha sauce, the second ingredient in there was sugar. Huh. So there are a lot of um, sugars everywhere hidden. I mean, the juices definitely and all of these packaged foods. The other thing is also that you need to be aware of the different names of sugar. Mm, yes. You know, people are typically looking just to find, oh, is there sugar or, um, you know, corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup. Those are definitely the more common and known names. But there are more than 50 different names of sugar, um, things like mannitol, sorbitol, dietase, diatastic malt, dextrose, dextrin, ethyl maltol. Like if you ever read those, mm-hmm. you probably never even think that they are sugars. Mm-mm. I knew some of them were, but I didn't know all of those were. <laughs> yeah, so th- I mean, there's a whole list that I have, and you know, if uh, when when I work with my clients, I give them that list. That start reading your labels, educate mm-hmm. yourself, start finding these hidden sources of sugar, and um, reading labels is really important. So, mm-hmm. anytime you're eating, um, you know, a packaged foods, if it has more than five ingredients, guaranteed there is sugar in there. Mm. And most of the processed foods will have a lot of ingredients in them. And the other thing to be aware of is the the labels will um, will give you the ingredients in the order of their presence. So the highest amount of ingredient will be given first and so on and so forth. So if your first three ingredients has sugar, then that means you're basically eating sugar. <laughs> So is there any like number of ingredients you tell people to say, stay under eight and under ingredients or any like guide that you give people? I do typically tell them to, um, you know, stay to five or under. And the funny part is you go shopping, you will barely find anything with five or under. That's why I usually tell people eight because I know that, I mean, trying to find (laughs) under that is even sometimes difficult. (laughs) And 
you know what? I tell them that because uh, I want them to feel good that okay, I'm they, I'm being allowed to eat certain things. And when mm-hmm. they go start shopping and they figure out, oh, there isn't much actually I can eat. That act, it, it, that works as an eye opener for them. That yes. you know what? The amount of processed foods that I eat and the amount of sugar I'm eating is what's causing me the, the symptoms or the health troubles that I am in. Yes, and probably gravitate more towards the real food options because you know that, okay, well, this is what it is. Broccoli is broccoli. (laughs) Exactly. And you know what? Uh, The other thing, in order to ditch the craving uh, with sugar, you have to give your uh, taste palate time to adjust to the new way of eating. So, you know, Mm. you've been used to eating a certain way for such a long time. It's not easy to suddenly switch and say, I'm not going to have sugar at all. Totally. Right. So you have to slowly start reducing it. In fact, I was working with this lady and I'm just about finishing up my sessions with her. She's in her 60s and she came to me with some cholesterol issues and um, she was having like four teaspoons of sugar um, in her tea uh, each time she would have tea. Right. And um, I was like, okay, so how can we reduce the amount of sugar? So all we were doing is for the first week, I said, okay, instead of four, have three. Mm. The next week, instead of having three, have two teaspoons of sugar. So you're giving time for your taste buds to adjust to to the reduction in the sweetness. Today, in about eight weeks, she is off sugar completely. She's ditched sugar and she's lost 14 pounds. Wow. That is Just amazing. from that one change. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I'm sure it was hard for her, but that's like a little simple change that people can make that really can add up. Exactly. And you know what? I thought it might be harder for her, but she thought that, no, I can do this. I can go, you know, one teaspoon less every time is yeah. doable for me because she's still having sugar. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if her taste buds are totally being deprived of the, the sugary taste and she's now having a bland tea. Yeah. But um, she's giving it time. And, you know, eventually I was actually super um, surprised. Uh, in the end, she was down to half a teaspoon. And I was like, OK, you know what? If you don't want to give up that, do you want to try stevia instead? Um, and she said, no, I would just rather give up because I don't want to now get used to stevia. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so you have to, you know, kind of decide for yourself, too, what what you really want. Yeah. Uh, whether you want to go from one evil to the other or you just want to ditch it for forever, right? Like. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, those little changes, they definitely add up. And just staying consistent with it, you know, eight weeks, that really, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that long, you know, to make that change. But sometimes we get so stuck in the day to day that it seems daunting. But really, eight weeks out of your life, not that long. It's not that long. And you know, the amount of good that you're doing to your body, just yeah. think of that long term as well. Yes. And that's what she was thinking on. So I was, so, I'm so proud of her to be, you know, thinking proactively ahead, that, you know, I don't want to be dependent on anything else. If I'm giving this up, I'm giving this up. And that's not to say that she cannot have any sugar or sweets or anything like that. That's okay to have once in a while. But now at least you've adjusted your taste buds not to want it anymore. Yes. Oh, that's huge. So you are in control now. So if you wanted to go have that dessert or, uh, you know, that cake, you can you feel free to. And I, I can almost guarantee you that when you have it, you will be kind of, you know, puckering your nose and say, oh, it's too sweet. I don't want more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, wrapping up here, we have a few more questions for you. So I know that on September 20th, you're going to launch uh, a new diet free program. So can you tell us a little bit more about it and who this program is for? Yeah, uh, it's a program called the Diet Free Diet, and I'm launching it on the 20th of September. So it's it's really um, 
three it's it's a short plan three weeks worth of a diet free diet so the name i have devised just to you know kind of clarify it's a diet in the sense that you're not depriving yourself that's why it's diet free mm. you are actually eating wholesome nutrient dense foods uh, which are tasty and which are easy to make and yet it's a diet because if you look up the dictionary definition of diet it's it gives it gives you two definitions it says one is you know eating um a diet that is restrictive or devoid of certain foods and that's how we recognize the word diet these days and the other definition of diet is to eat foods that suit your body type and that give you energy and make you healthy mm yeah So this is what the diet free diet is about. You ditch the foods uh, and the restriction and you eat wholesome nutrient dense foods. So it's really for moms or women who are busy, who they're working a job, they're juggling a family, after school activities and they still want to eat healthy. They want to look gorgeous. So, you know, like I say, it, you go from exhausted, overwhelmed and body shy to energetic, confident and gorgeous in 3 weeks. Oh, I love that. That is a great so tagline. It, it, exactly. It's 3 weeks of meal plans are uh, all given out to you. They're portion um, you know, controlled and calorie controlled so you don't have to count anything. If you don't want to lose weight, that's fine too. You can just follow the plan uh because they are balanced meals. Um it's basically a paradigm shift. No one wants to go on a diet, but if you still want to, you know, bust your cravings and if you have bloating and you want to get rid of that, if you want to have more energy and at the same time, you know, if you want to lose weight, then that would be the program for you. Perfect. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes if anyone is interested in checking that out. Um, and then in terms of connecting with you, where's the best spot to connect with you at? Where on social media do you like to hang out? Uh, several ways to connect with me. So I have definitely my website, sakori.com. Um, and there is an email club. Uh, feel free to join that. Uh, because I send out uh, blogs or recipes every week. So you would get uh, straight access to your inbox uh, for, uh, for that. I also have a private Facebook group called Nutrition 101. Um, it's just a like-minded, um, you know, community of like-minded people hanging out together and we're supporting each other in our journeys. It's a free group. Uh, you don't need to purchase any program for that. Um, and we do talk about digestion and sugar cravings and energy in that. Um, I also... have a youtube channel so on and off i'll create these little videos with tips and um you know tricks that you can follow um me on my youtube channel and then there is my facebook page so i do facebook live and i'll answer some questions and lots of resources love it yes so then um last couple questions one that i always like to ask everyone so since this is the peaceful power podcast what does peaceful power mean to you Mm. I was you know I'm very interested in that word peaceful power and um when I when I was thinking about this I think power is a very misinterpreted word mm. you know normally people associate power with position or status or money or fame or politics right mm-hmm. um and while th- this may make somebody powerful I think true power comes from within us love it So for me power is believing in oneself. For me power means you have faith in your own capabilities. Um power is for me sharing, caring and building a community and that's what I'm trying to do with my Facebook group as well. So this really resonated with me. It's about creating 
the life of your dreams so that you can, you know, rise to your full potential and help others to do the same, whether it's your family, your friends. So I think that brings inner peace and it's peaceful power. I love that. That is great. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you definitely thought about that one. I love it. So then I like to offer out a weekly challenge to all the listeners. So usually when I have guests, I leave that up to you. So what would you like to challenge the listeners with this upcoming week? Hmm. Um, let's see. Because I think we were talking about power just, uh, just now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, why, don't we, um, why don't we work towards empowering yourself? And that's what I do with my clients as well, right? I'm empowering them um, to take charge of their health. So why don't we put that out as a challenge? Oh, I love it. Um, I'd like to ask your listeners to recognize what empowers them. Mm, that is great. So maybe, you know, if you have to sit and make a list of things, of the things that empower you, which give you confidence, which make you stronger, make that list. Let that be your priority. And, you know, figure out the things that you need to do to empower yourself and invest in those things. That is and great. I think the biggest thing is also to recognize that you might be wanting X, Y, Z for yourself, but is your health where you want to be in order to achieve that? Mm. Because without healthy body, you know, all those things have literally no meaning. You can't enjoy them and you can't go after them. So what do you need to do to empower yourself, to make yourself healthy and to achieve your dreams? That's so true. Yeah, without health, that definitely makes things a lot harder. Mm-hmm. That is a great challenge. We have not had that challenge yet. So I will be excited oh, yeah. to share that one with everyone. Cool. So I had so many more questions um, to ask you. Gosh, <laughs> I, I have really enjoyed talking to you and listening to all your knowledge. Um, so I will probably have to have you back on sometime. Oh, thank um, you. It'll, it'll, that'll be a pleasure. Yes. So um, just for time reasons, though, I like to keep mine trying to be under an hour. So we will um, hopefully get to talk to you again. But thank you so much, Tanuja. And I've had a pleasure talking to you today. Same here. Thank you for having me on the show. And I hope your listeners will enjoy the talk as much as I did. Perfect. So everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Bye. Bye. If you're looking to spread more peaceful power in your life, head on over to Sapphire Training dot com spelled s-a the word fire training dot com for more information about how to spread your peaceful power as well as if you want a free resource guide on to working out for your body types that is at the top of our homepage. so go on out there and spread your peaceful power